You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Nations are behaving badly, but from the point of view of cyber espionage, they're doing well. The Lazarus Group is back robbing banks in Asia and Latin America. Russia's Hades Group, known for Olympic Destroyer, is back too. Gamaradon and Cozy Bear have returned, respectively pestering Ukraine and the U.S. Iran's oil rig is upping its game with just-in-time malicious fish bait. And it's not you. Facebook has been down. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Tuesday, November 20th, 2018. This week, it seems as if it's nation-states gone wild. Several state-directed threat actors have returned to action this week in prominent ways. They're back in familiar but upgraded forms as the offense-defense seesaw swings up on the offensive side. North Korea's Lazarus Group is back, for example, hitting financial institutions in Asia and Latin America. They're making improved use of backdoors. Trend Labs thinks, on the basis of the loader component service creation time, that the backdoor for Pyongyang was installed on the victim's machines on September 19th. The code's been improved, but the attack technique, Trend Labs says, is a lot like the one BAE Systems took apart and analyzed back in 2017. As usual with the Lazarus Group, the motive is financial, and this latest campaign follows on the heels of the wave of attacks on ATMs we saw develop over the last two weeks. Another Russian threat group, the Hades APT, is also back. Hades was responsible for the Olympic destroyer wiper campaign that targeted the South Korean-hosted Winter Olympic Games. Researchers at Checkpoint say that Hades has added anti-analysis and delayed execution, as well as a single-stage dropper to its repertoire, which suggests that the group is learning from and reacting to the measures used against it earlier in 2018. Three things are worth noting about Olympic Destroyer. First, it was a wiper, intended apparently for disruption, probably as a form of retaliation for the exclusion of Russian athletes who were caught doping. Second, it was used in such a fashion as to make it practically inevitable that the Olympic Committee, the South Korean government, and South Korea's allies would immediately suspect a North Korean cyber attack. But this turned out not to be the case. Third, contrary to what its name might suggest, Olympic Destroyer has surfaced sporadically since the Games, prospecting targets not necessarily involved with the Olympics 
or indeed with athletics at all. The Tarado backdoor campaign reported by Ukraine's CERT was initially characterized as a nation-state attack that seemed to be targeting what Russia calls the near abroad, that is, the formerly Soviet, now independent republics. Preliminary and circumstantial, but nonetheless persuasive evidence has led observers to conclude that Tarado is indeed a Russian operation. Tarado is associated with the Gamaradon threat group, widely believed to be a unit of Russia's FSB. It seems so far to have been used principally for battle space preparation, at least in the attempt seen in Ukraine. Coincidentally or not, the newly reawakened Cozy Bear, also generally regarded as an FSB or possibly SVR unit, has deployed improved fishing techniques against U.S. targets. Both the FSB and SVR are descended from the old Soviet KGB. If you're looking for rough American equivalents, they would be the FBI and CIA, since the KGB had both domestic security and foreign intelligence functions. In this case, they've refined their techniques. As Wired observes, Cozy Bear has the reputation for upgrading older, in many respects forgotten attack code, in the hope that the newly effective malware will pass unnoticed. In this case, that code is a Trojan called Canon, which uses email to communicate with its command and control infrastructure. That's old school, and it's working for them in part because it's unexpected. This latest Cozy Bear phishing expedition has spoofed U.S. State Department emails. A hearty congratulations to Ronnie Tokazowski from Flashpoint. He accepted the prestigious J.D. Falk Award from the Messaging Malware and Mobile Anti-Abuse Working Group on behalf of the Business Email Compromise Working Group. Tokazowski helped create the group back in 2015, since then, they've helped stop millions of dollars in wire transfers, taken down thousands of romance accounts, and contributed to well over 100 arrests. Ronnie Tukazowski joins us today. Initially, when we started, our approach was just to take a look at the phishing emails and try and attack it from that perspective. So we wanted to go ahead and give law enforcement a good spot to where we could give them the intelligence that they needed in order to pivot off for their investigations, as well as try and figure a good way to help stop this. And as we started operating and kind of looking at the different types of fraud, it started to balloon out really quickly. And that's where it started including other things such as like romance scams, uh, real estate scams, lottery scams. So in working together on this, um, both good or bad, if you want to have it that way, that was where we started to understand that there was a lot more to this type of fraud than just an email and a mule account. Can you describe to me, I mean, what, what was the, the back and forth, the cross-specialty uh, education that went on? between the tech folks and the law enforcement folks. I, I suspect you all had uh, specific skills to bring to the fore. Yeah, and that's and that's very much how we wanted to model it. Is So take, take me, for example, I'm a malware analyst. I've done reversing and I've worked in threat intelligence. Likewise, we have some people with different walks of life who want to go ahead and want to take out romance scams. And you have law enforcement who are the ones who can, who can arrest the people. So some of that collaboration was working directly with law enforcement to say, hey, we identify this actor. Um, you may want to go ahead and go forth and kind of and help kick off your investigation on that. And the way and one of the ways we like to look at it on the list is that something where I can't go arrest somebody, law enforcement doesn't have the intelligence. So we need to be able to work and collaborate together on that to make it better and start making a difference in the industry. Take us through the process. I mean, how does a uh, how does a scam come to your attention, and then how does it work its way through the group? Yeah, so the way it usually works is we would go ahead and have different individuals 
who may who may receive a phishing email to their organization. So with the list and everything, once we get those emails, everybody works together to try and uh, fight it from a different way. So for example, someone may, able, may be able to do something with the headers, someone may be able to do something with the email sender, someone may be able to do something with a certain piece of the malware that's associated with that. So that's kind of been the approach is to try and attack the phishing emails from several different angles, as opposed to just one different angle. And that's very much how we've operated, not just with the emails, but also with the other aspects of the list as well. Yeah, I mean, it seems it sounds to me like uh, in in uh, in addition to all of the the good that you all are doing, that uh, it sounds like you're having a good time doing it. Oh yeah, very much so. Um, some of the successes that we've had on here, um, we've actually been able to watch what the actors do based on our um, based on some of the actions that we've taken. One good example of that is the a lot of, there's it's also caused confusion within a lot of the actors. So one case of that it was where one romance accounts got closed. And the response, they ended up reaching back out to the victim. And they said that they didn't know if it was like another hacker who got access to their account or they didn't know if ISIS was involved. And that's the story that they were trying to say. It was that's how they were trying to tell one of the victims that their accounts were closed. Now, do you have any general advice for folks who are out there in business and personal to help protect themselves against this with with the, the unique insights that you've gained from working with this group? Are there any basic tips you have for folks? Yeah, so I would say basic tips is just be aware. Um, with romance scams, usually people will try and approach you through social media, try to build up a relationship like that. So just being aware of that of that type of scam is one way to help protect yourself. Additionally, for um, your larger organizations who may be dealing with wire transfers, have different protections in place. So if you have to wire out $50,000, for example, then have that be signed off by one person. If you have to wire out $100,000, have two layers of protection in order to sign that. Uh, there's also cases where the actors will try and fly under those amounts. So by being able to know that, hey, this person shouldn't be wiring money out, or maybe something as simple as picking up the phone call or picking up the phone and calling and say, hey, did you actually send me this email? That goes really far. And very much to what uh, I know law enforcement has said over the years, if you see something, say something. And that's, one, that's another good way to help identify a lot of these types of fraud. That's Ronnie Tokozowski from Flashpoint describing his work with the Business Email Compromise Working Group. Palo Alto Networks has been evaluating the Iranian threat group known as Oil Rig, also tracked as APT34 and sometimes as Helix Kitten. Oil Rig is seen principally as a cyber espionage outfit, and it's been active largely against regional rivals in the Middle East. Researchers are struck by the way in which Oil Rig has been testing the malicious documents it uses as vectors for the bond updater downloader. Once they're satisfied, they deploy the documents in the wild. The testing is quick. Security Week calls it just-in-time creation of malicious Word and Excel files. The final test document was created less than eight hours before the delivery document was put into final form. That delivery document was used to hit targets within 20 minutes of its creation. The goal of preliminary testing seems to be the evaluation of likely antivirus detection rates. Bond Updater itself has some interesting domain generation algorithm functionality. Other organizations have been tracking Oil Rig, FireEye, and Booz Allen Hamilton among them. Booz Allen's Dark Labs has looked at Bond Updater and the associated POW Runer Backdoor, and they've discovered three additional malware variants as well as network infrastructure that makes oil rig a potential threat to organizations anywhere. 
If you've been having trouble getting on Facebook or Instagram, it's not you, it's them. The services have been suffering widespread outages beginning about 7.40 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's Baltimore time for those of you living on other continents. Service seems to be back for now, at least intermittently, in our neck of the woods, but the problems are persisting elsewhere. This is the second significant service disruption in as many days. Yesterday it was Messenger. They're working on it. At this point, the outages seem to be accidents. If you're interested in venting, everybody seems to have taken to Twitter to do so. And various adult sites report a spike in traffic as frustrated Facebookers seek elsewhere for diversion. Come on, everybody, go out and take a walk or something. And finally, two quick notes for our listeners. We'll be observing Thanksgiving this week, so there will be no daily news briefing or daily podcast on Thursday or Friday. And no week that was this Saturday. The Hacking Humans podcast is taking a break this week as well. Everything will return to normal Monday. After the Thanksgiving holiday, we'll be rolling out a new format for our email. We've redesigned it, the better to avoid falling into spam traps or becoming inadvertently enmeshed in the array of anti-phishing measures increasingly deployed. You've seen some of these changes already with our addition of inline links to our summary. When the redesign is complete, you'll see fewer links to suggested reading in the email itself. That selected reading will remain present in its entirety on our website, posted as always with the appropriate daily news briefing. We hope you'll find the new format more user-friendly. We'll announce the date of the rollout as it approaches. As always, thanks for subscribing and reading. And if you don't subscribe to the daily news briefing, why not? I mean, the price is right. It's free. So line up and sign up today. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And joining me once again is Malek Ben-Salem. She's a senior R&D manager for security at Accenture Labs. 
Well, Eck, it's great to have you back. Um, interesting topic uh, you bring up today, and that is skill squatting with Amazon Alexa. What are we talking about here? Yeah, hi, Dave. Great to be back. So skills, as most people know, are apps that are developed specifically for Alexa. Now, skill squatting is an attack that uh, whereby an adversary can misdirect Alexa to apply or use the wrong skill. So think about cases where, uh, you know, the user would like to launch, let's say, the Amex skill, the Amex app that they use to access their Amex account. There may be another skill deployed by the attacker that sounds very similar, but is spelled differently. So if the user calls that skill, uh, Alexa may disk direct them to the wrong app. And therefore, you know, the adversary can use that app to harvest certain credentials for those users. So it's similar to the type of attack where you type the wrong website and the adversary directs you to another website that looks very similar to what you're accustomed to seeing. And they harvest your password or, you know, online credentials. This is a very similar way uh, of doing the same thing just through that voice uh, interface. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I could imagine also if you're dealing with, uh, as as Amazon Alexa has to, uh, dealing with folks with all sorts of different regional accents. Absolutely, yeah. And, and that's what makes this attack very interesting is because now the adversary can predict what types of errors Alexa could make based on people's accents. Uh, and therefore, they can they can take this attack to the next level by, by ensuring that an entire region, let's say an entire region in the U.S. with with a certain accent, you can predict how certain words would be pronounced and how Alexa might misinterpret them, and you can develop uh, skills uh, that take advantage of that misinterpretation and direct an entire group of people uh, in a certain region to a certain skill that they didn't want to to use at all. Uh, you can also do it uh, based on gender. You know, there are things that, words that Alexa misinterprets where, based on whether the, um, the user is female or, or male. You know, those studies have been done. So the researchers from University of Illinois have done those studies on how Alexa misinterprets certain words based on the, the user's accent or based on their gender. So that creates basically an entire, uh, it takes the, the attack to the next level, right, where, where it can be scalable for the adversary. Now, what sorts of things can Amazon do to, to protect against this? Can they, can they verify or, or, I guess, repeat back to you the, the site that they think you want to go to? Well, one thing they can do is uh, make sure that uh, any skills go through a certification process before they get published to prevent that skill squatting. They can do a phoneme-based analysis for that skill to understand how uh, it gets invoked and whether there are any similar apps that would sound similar to that skill that are available. Well, it's interesting information. Malek Ben Salem, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Dave. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, 
Banta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for Cyberwire Pro. It'll save you time and keep you informed. Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker, too. The Cyberwire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing Cyberwire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.